Hi, I'm Sarah Story and welcome to Backstory. This is my podcast where I catch up with DJs, producers, broadcasters, singers and songwriters to talk about their careers, how they've adapted to the new world that we've found ourselves in, their new projects and of course, their backstory. The live music industry is taking such a hit from COVID and over the last 14 months we've seen so many people lose their jobs, festivals being cancelled, nearly every single DJ was out of work and the artists who were supposed to have their year had that taken away from them. But we have the power of the internet, music and podcasts and so we can still listen and connect to the people that we love. This month's guests are Dam Swindle. They are DJs and producers from Amsterdam who I've been following for years. They run heist recordings and have spent lockdown making loads of new music ready for when the clubs open. Here's what happened when we caught up. I discovered you when I was living in Leeds. And it was the, the breakup track. That's how I discovered you. I just remember being in Leeds, being like early 20s, that track, going out to like Back to Basics and Monocle and stuff like that. And when I hear your track, when I hear that track, I just think Leeds. Yeah, I think, especially in the beginning, uh, what was the, um, yeah, so the breakup that was 2013. So I'd like the second year, like the, or the first year after our big breakthrough, I guess, because it was the, the first release on our label, Heist. Like we had the wind in our sails, like everything was coming our way. And then that, that release came and like so many people picked it up. It was crazy. And we were in Leeds a lot. I, I'm trying to remember the, um, what the name is. They did a festival as well for a while. It's the, the, the Green Club. Um, uh, Mint, Mint Festival. Mint. A Mint there we go. Yeah. Yeah, we had some really good nights there. Um, I guess that were our first like bigger shows in um, in the UK. You know, Mint Club yeah. that was that was super nice, and yeah, a lot kicked off for for it, us. It was there. a great club, Mint Club, wasn't it? Because it had the lights and the ceiling. It was a really small club. The toilets were a free for all, where everyone just went into any cubicle, yeah. and women, and it was yeah, it was just. I had some great times in there. From a DJ perspective, it was a really nice club because the booth was just on like. Maybe it was like maybe like ten or twenty centimeters higher than the than the crowd, but it was like you were really close and everything. Everyone was packed. The booth was kind of narrow, but you can could still move around, put your record back somewhere. Yeah, it was a good vibe in that, that, that venue. We had some cool nights. Yeah, and they get like huge names in there. Like Ricardo Villalobos would just be like rocking up to Mint Club. An amazing, amazing time. So welcome to Backstory. How have you been in lockdown? It's been a weird 18 months now, hasn't it? It's been, uh, yes, it's been very volatile, hectic. It's it's crazy how that, like that, that touring life of stepping in and out of airplanes, like came to a full stop. And all that time that we spent and all the energy that we spent in doing that got fully replaced by something else. And I guess for me, my my story is a bit different than Lars because I have three kids. Uh, my oldest uh, back then was seven, five, and a half, half a year old. I think almost turning one during the like when uh, when COVID kicked in. So yeah. we went from full touring to no school, homeschooling, juggling everything, like taking care of a baby and making sure that the oldest is getting their classes and the the, the middle one gets inspired and my wife was a nurse is a nurse uh and she works on hematology in the um like the one of the big hospitals in holland 
and she was on uh, a one-year leave. We thought, now with the third kid, we're going to take things easy. I'm going to I'm going to be touring, but you're going to be at home chilling with the kids, and you're going to have a great time. And then you know she did have a great time for a while, and then COVID kicked in, and and then she said, well, I'm I feel responsible here to you know to do my job as a nurse. So she got back to work way before we planned, you know, way way wow. before she planned to do that. Which also meant that uh, I was at home a lot more doing uh, you know, school stuff. So, where a lot of people got bored and were like trying to see if Netflix had more portals or like had to break into you know all the uh, the movies, movie downloads or whatever, just to get like just to keep yourself busy. I was yeah. juggling like crazy to get everything done because our label was still running and we had to you know there was a lot we had to fix because of the lockdown and because of the sudden change. So it was hectic for a while. And then yeah. we started kind of getting into it. It was like, yeah, all right, this, this works. And you know, spending a lot of time in the studio and working, uh, working ahead for the label. At, some, at one point we were like planning 12 to 15 months ahead with all our releases. We're like, all right, now we need to t- take it a bit slower as well because we want to be able to, if something cool comes up, we want to be able to release that as well. You know, like a bit more on the fly. So we had things organized properly for a while. Never got bored, that's for sure. I mean, you can't get bored with three kids that are all seven and under. That's that's a lot of pressure. You're you're craving for boredom sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just five minutes of peace and quiet. I've seen on your Instagram that you guys have just made loads of music through lockdown. So talk to me a bit about the tracks and what we can expect. I mean, obviously we had a lot of time on our hands, as, as did everyone. We were working on a very big uh, remix project for Salso Records. They approached us to remix uh, their catalog and we basically got a big Excel file with uh, tracks that we could choose from, from their back catalog, which is amazing. Um, so we yeah. p- we picked a couple of uh, very famous tracks and worked very hard to get them to a state where we can say, okay, now we're we uh, yeah it was it was really tough because Salsol is that's a legendary label. So we're like yeah we we're we're not going to take on this project and and not do any of the cl- like the classics. You have to do it. But yeah. then again, you know, the classics are also the tracks that you, you really don't want to touch because they, they form this place in your mind where they are perfect as they are and don't need anything else. So that was, um, I'm not going to say it was a struggle, but it was a, a, like a hurdle we had to take. Like, all right, is this, are we really going to, uh, is the world going to be a better place with our version of Let No Man Put Us Under? Yeah. At the end, yeah. we decided, yes, it will be a better place with our free. <laughs> so that's one of the tracks that we remixed. That's going to come out as two singles, uh, one end of July, one end of August. So it's uh, rem- uh, like one, a remix and an edit and a remix and an edit. So that's two EPs that are coming out through summer. Next to that, we both have uh, started uh, solo projects as well. Marta started uh, Wanderist and I started Sound Support and the Palmer Initiative to, to other projects. So uh, I've, I had a lot of time on my hands. Marta did, uh, did a lot of work actually uh, as a copywriter in, uh, in Corona times. And I, I, I just went to the studio and made like tons of tracks. So uh, yeah, or demos, just little snippets. And 
So there's just so much music that, that came out of this last year. And I'm actually quite grateful for it because yeah, it, it has it has given us both like this this opportunity to really focus on all these different avenues. And start new projects as well, because you might have never started those projects, right? Oh for sure no. For sure no. I think it's it's hard for DJs, isn't it? Because when you're you're touring and it, and it never really stops. How do you manage that time and, and get creative and get in that headspace and, it, you know, traveling's tiring, gigs are tiring and then getting back into that creative yeah, we flow were, again? We were really good at that. We just uh, step into an airplane, take off, open up the laptop, headphones and just start doing oh, really? whatever. Yeah, just yeah, just doing some basic arrangement or if you have this little idea, just you know, throw in some VSTs and start working on it. And mm-hmm. yeah, quite a lot of our tracks started or ended at some point in an airplane so that's really interesting yeah that works well for us and obviously you know we're usually sitting next together next to each other so we like we give each other the headphones like look i made this what do you think of this idea and then we just you know bounce ideas back and forth so it's kind of a um, tiny studio on the road on the go you might not want to answer this question but i know a lot of producers make a lot of music for other people do you do that no, okay. I, do. I don't. I do. I do. You do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, ju- I just recently started it, and it's for very unknown guys. They have not have a single single track out. And I was actually teaching them music for production, and then they told me their timeline, what they wanted to achieve, and I was like, hmm, I don't think we're gonna get there soon. So I just told them like I could work on some tracks for you guys, yeah. but not for like well-known artists. No. Yeah, just I know a lot of people during the lockdown started doing that. Well, some of my friends were already doing that. They were like, you know, I've got no gigs. So they started making like pop music for people and, and, and stuff. And I'm like, fair play. Like it's, and I always find it really interesting. Like some really like uber cool underground DJs are making stuff for, I won't say any names, but some big pop people. And then I'm like... Fair play, I suppose. The, the lockdown has made people have to do stuff like that. I, and, I think um, it. I think it's. It would be so much fun, though. Like I've been thinking about yeah. it a lot, and I think the nice thing about it is probably that because it's not your own music, you're a bit more free in what you can do. Like you can basically let go of all your all the shackles that you have created uh, for yourself, and just you know, I I would love to do it actually. Yeah, yeah, because you're not you're not there going, but what's my sound and overthinking it and going, is this cool enough? And da 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 da. You're just going, let's just make a pop banger or whatever it is that you want to make. Well, let's see, let's see if Madonna finds us in the next uh, year. <laughs> yeah, give Madonna a bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about your backstory because people might not know where you've come from, the stuff that you've done in the past, jobs and things like that. So Martin, I'll go to you first. Tell me a little bit about your kind of upbringing and your journey into music. I grew up in Zeist. It's like it's a small town or in Driberg, actually next to it, a small town. 40 minutes outside of Amsterdam, middle of the country, had a fairly regular childhood with um, divorced parents, uh, doing sports and trying to make my way through school like any, everyone else. When I moved to Amsterdam, I started uh, doing uh, like a lot of um, extreme sports like surfing and mountain boarding and doing clinics with that. And I ran into this group like a student society where I, uh, you know, with all these people doing that kind of stuff. And there I, uh, I started doing parties 
and we just because every year when the new students arrive you would the you know you would you, we wanted this new batch of cool people to come with us as well you know to become a member you know the best way to get people excited for something is a party one of our parties that we did really got out of hand in terms of the amount of people we got in and the amount of people on the street and the amount of people that were like desperately trying to get tickets so the promoters of the club that we booked for that party like came to me and like hey dude can we have a talk with you because how the fuck did you get all these people here i was like uh i don't know <laughs> just worked so they asked us they asked me to join them in doing promotion for the club and they linked me to um uh a guy who was doing the uh, pr the bookings for the weekend Roy Avney uh, he was a very active promoter in the gay and the electro and techno community in uh in Amsterdam at the time he needed some extra hand so i and i had a really good click with him so i started working with him and actually on that for the same club Lars was also doing promotion but for a, a hip hop night so he Lars was doing the uh like the more eclectic hip hop stuff and that we were doing this weird, uh, yeah, all the kinds of electro and techno uh, programming. So that was my, I wasn't really into electronic music before that. Like I was playing drums in a punk band and I was listening to surf music. And I didn't, you know, I had no idea about, I, I didn't, couldn't really be bothered with that type of music just because I wasn't, I didn't grow up with partying. I grew up doing, I grew up doing sports and I grew up going to the beach and traveling to remote places to go surfing. And there's not a lot of clubs involved there or not a lot of electronic music that really, you know, did something at that time. So at that time in Amsterdam, like, uh, like my student time in Amsterdam really was my introduction into electronic music. And that was like, I went straight like through the rabbit's hole with, with Roy, who I got connected to because he was doing super obscure stuff like going to very extreme parties like Wasteland. And uh, he had a big, big network of people. He was getting into uh, the clubs in Amsterdam that were, yeah, doing a lot of avant-garde electronic music as well. And yeah, that was, at the time I had no idea. And now when I look back at into the bookings that we were doing, we're like booking Tief Schwartz and Alter Ego. I had Ricardo Villalobos and uh, Richie Hot in like behind the decks and, uh, you know, all those people, I had no idea who they were at yeah. that time. And um, yeah, so, and I liked the music. I was, I was into it. So I was like, and I started buying records, going to the record shop with my friends and playing a bit and like, yeah, I can do this. I like this. And the, 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 then kind of the, the ball started rolling for me in terms of, uh, of music. But I worked in advertising for a large part of my life, actually. So even, uh, even now I'm doing some advertising work because Life as a DJ doesn't really get pay a lot of bills right now. And I still have a lot of good friends in advertising. So I just, you know, I, I think of campaigns. I work as a creative, which is fun. Uh, it's tough to combine with the studio time and the family at times, but um, I'm finding my balance, which is nice. Oh, that's really interesting that you're doing that. And I think, like you say, it's still a really creative job. So you're still, in, you're still managing to be creative in some way and, and do, do, I suppose, a, a normal job, if we call it a normal job, yeah. What about you, Lars? Like, where did you start? And also tell me how you two met. First, tell, tell me how you got into music and your journey. Like, my dad used to be D DJ as well. And uh, back in his days, it was different. Like, you would bring your whole setup. They had a truck full with speakers and, and turntables, and they would rock up to somewhere and play, like, the whole night for 
like next to nothing money-wise, but they had a great time. So I grew up with a lot of music. Um, I started living with one of my best friends, his parents and my parents, they bought a house together. So we would live uh, on the floor uh, above them. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's that was great. That was super great. And that was basically my whole puberty. I, I lived in that house. So uh, when I was 12, we started playing around with records and hip hop. And that's where really it started for me. And I was already DJing when I was 15 in my room. And uh, when I was 17, wow. I, I organized my own parties for, for people at school. And uh, that sort of grew towards me being proper final head for, for years. And then I started my education, which is media and entertainment management, higher education. Basically gave me sort of the tools to expand my my party promotion. And uh, I had a, for four years, I did a weekly Sunday night, hip hop night and a monthly uh, Friday night. And that was a new disco uh, night and both in Amsterdam and also in The Hague and organizing a lot of parties. In a different genre though, I was playing like a lot of eclectic sets, soul to house and everything in between basically. But when I approached 30, I was so fed up with that sort of grinding lifestyle. And, you know, every weekend I was uh, I was in the nightlife. And during the week, I was still trying... In the nightlife. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so, and at one point, I was really fed up also with the music. And I, I made the decision to stop everything and to focus purely on produ production, which I was also doing on the side a little bit. And in that time, uh, me and Marta, we knew each other from, from before. When, uh, when we used to promote in the same club. And we sort of re-met because Marta was also playing in some of the locations I was programming. And then I was just like, hey, you, you know a lot about, about music as well. Uh, do you want to come over to my house? I'll show you uh, some stuff I'm working on. And that's basically how our collaboration started. And in the beginning, it was just having beers, playing FIFA and uh, fucking around on, uh, on music software. And after yeah. a while, uh, suddenly uh, we had uh, five EPs in one year and then everything started, basically. Wow. And both of you, production-wise, are self-taught. Is that right? Or have you done courses? Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I started, I was very early days. I, I already did some production and edits and stuff. And for Marta, it was completely new. And then basically, we grew together. And it took it took some time before we really got the hang of it. And and still, you know, as a as a producer, you're never finished with learning. Like I learn something new every week. And uh, since Corona, I started a job as a teacher at the conservatory. I'm even learning from my students as they are learning from me. I'm also learning from them. So yeah. And did you find it hard to find your sound together, or how did you find your sound when you were producing? Was it listening to other records that you really like and uh, i mean because i've never I've, i can't i've never worked with someone like that so how how does that it was actually it? it was the other way around actually it was not listening to what we liked it was talking about what we were missing in the nightlife in amsterdam so there was like the the sound in the clubs was very it wasn't it didn't feel personal it was very dry and everyone in their own like zones and there was no, we didn't feel any love. Maybe we went to the wrong parties. Maybe we saw the wrong things because it, I'm sure it was there. But then at, at that time, Amsterdam was filled with those those parties. And we we were like, where's the soul? We both grew up with soul music, like played by our parents and 
you know, great. We were big into Motown and like we want to get that soul back into house music. And that's that was kind of our that was our thing. So we and then we just imagined what that would sound like for from our perspective. And that's how those those records came about. So yeah. had a lot of energy, a lot of swing, a lot of chords and vocals, chop samples, everything just to, to get that life that livelihood in it and get to get that um, emotion back into uh, to music. I feel like you guys are really good at making classy, groovy house music. That's a good way. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. We'll take we'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think it, I think it's wicked. And let's talk about your latest EP. So that dropped in March. That was Spice Run. That that came out on Oz Music, which is one of my favorite record labels. Uh, that's actually good, a good uh, example because that is really the culmination, I think, of years of making music together because it, it sort of holds everything that we like within one EP. I mean, the tracks are either very funky and very warm and lush or very upbeat, uh, clubby and Afro influences as well there. And for a while, like Marta and me, we both have a different style. The magic happens where those styles combine. And sometimes an EP is a bit more Marta, or sometimes an EP is a bit more Lars. And it's for us, it's very noticeable. I'm not sure if people will will hear what the difference is, but we we know. And really, I think on this EP, the two styles really blend seamlessly together. I think that's a very nice. Uh, it was a very nice moment, I think, for us because it also gave us sort of the the the, the moment to move forward as well. Like, hey, this is really sort of the, the, the combination of, of years of doing these things together. Yeah. And how long have you guys worked together now then? Almost 10 years. Next year is 10 year anniversary. Oh. Yeah. Congratulations. You've not killed each other yet. <laughs> well, we still have a long year to go. No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's still six months left in 2021. I mean, I thought this year was going to get better, but hopefully it will. Hopefully it will. Tell me a bit about Heist Recordings, when that started. Tell me a little bit more about the label. So Heist started in 2013. We had our first four or five releases in 2012 and everything was like everything was going so well. And we saw all these labels that were like, hey guys, can you do a release with us? Can you do a remix? And we said yes to all those remixes. And then at some point we were like, we are telling such a good story as you know Detroit Swindle back at the time, but Dem Swindle, why not use that that platform that we're building, you know, to help other artists, you know, get that same amount of traction as we've had. And we had a couple of tracks lying around that we both felt were really special. We just said to each other, these these two tracks would be like the perfect start to the label. So we really liked that that vibe that Heist had, you know, a bit tongue in cheek, but but serious. And then with that record, the the makeup breakup EP, yeah, we had such a strong start to the label, and there was already connected with. Uh, like some people that were growing with us at the same time, like Max Graf and Andy Hart. So we, we had prepped like the next few releases already. Suddenly we were doing a boiler room with Free Range where we played the first track of the second highest EP by Max Graf on that boiler room. And everybody went crazy on internet. Like, what's this track? And I need to know. And then, and like the first couple of releases had so much traction that, yeah, we had a really, really really nice start to the label and last year we had our 50th release with um, like the legendary guys from Detroit Scan 7 doing a release for us 
now and where we're looking at, we're already close to planning our 60th release for early next year. And we've got so many great artists that, uh, that are working with us, both from Holland as from everywhere else in the world. Um, so it's lovely to, to be able to, um, yeah, to, to curate something that is, you know, th there's so much uh, great music out there. And there's so many people that are looking for a proper label to release that, that put the effort into everything, like from design yeah. to, you know, what the music sounds like, how we promote it, uh, the, the, the shops that we'll, find, uh, we'll end up with, label showcases, you know, th these people that yeah. when they release on Hive, they become part of our family. And we're not doing just one off. We want them to, you know, to grow with us. So do another release a year and a half later. And there's really a plan behind that. And I think it shows that the love that we have for the label shows in, you know, the love we get back. And the um, the uh, artists that wanna wanna be a part of it, yeah. It's a, I'm re I really enjoy doing all the work that we're doing for the label, and I hope we can do a million releases more. That's really good to hear that you enjoy it because I've heard it's really stressful. Is it stressful sometimes, or is it just a job? We have a deadline today. We need to get because the pressing plants have so many issues due to Corona that the, the delay, the delays on pressing are huge right now. So we need to get a record to the pressing plan today. And we need the final artwork from our designer who needs the high res files from the photographer who needs to find them on his laptop because he can, he's, he hasn't been able to find that. So we're like, that part is stressful. Most of it is not stressful. It's a bit chory at some times so you're like, yeah, all right, you just have to do it. Yeah. But most of it is just, if you plan ahead, and you just take the time for it, it's, it's, it's a really nice, uh, fulfilling job to do. Lars, what made you want to work in the music industry? Was it because it seemed like fun, you get to be yourself? Like, what is it that made you want to do it? Yeah, I was always busy with music. And also, the, the, I, when I was DJing in my room, I would always imagine people listening to my set and enjoying it and that gave me such a boost and that still gives, gives me a boost like the, the, the performing part is is something very special uh, to me something I also dearly missed during corona I fell in love with the nightlife when the, the brother of my best friend who lived in the same house he took me to a house party in 1996 I think when I was 15 or 16, I came in into the Melkweg in Amsterdam and the party was called High Quality HQ. It was a hard house party with Tom Harding. I'm not sure if you heard of this guy. I've mean, uh, heard of Tom Harding, but I know Hard House. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? I was really like utterly blown away. Everybody was smiling, having fun. I was just, I, I couldn't believe it because I was, I was used to the hip hop vibe, you know, and hip hop is super nice. And it's a close-knit community, but it's very, you know, cool and, you know, chilling and everybody's sort of, you're not enemies, no, but you're also not friends, you know? Ah. Yeah, and everybody in the house was like, yeah, and, you know, dancing and smiling, everybody was smiling. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? But I, I fell in love with it immediately there, and that was, that was it. That was nightlife, and I'm still in the nightlife, and all my friends are working in the nightlife, and I, I love it. I love, I love the way that... It's, it's this little mini universe that, you know, happens next to our universe. And it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm still in love with it. Yeah, just watching your reaction and watching you reminisce about that moment. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, I still see, I still feel that sort of moment. Like, I, I'm, I'm very, uh, how do you say, I'm very sensitive to other people's energy. 
So that that sort of overwhelming positive vibe, I can still feel that. It was yeah, yeah. it was very uh, special. Do you have any a specific moment where you were like, "This is it. I'm gonna work in the music industry." No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think where Lars is is in love with nightlife, I'm in love with music. Like I get up with music. So, so Lars likes the party, and you like actually the doing. Lars, the I'm not going to say Lars doesn't like the music, but he does. He definitely <laughs> likes the party. And I, to be honest, I'm not really a clubber. I love playing records, and I love sharing the music that I love. And I especially I like those moments where you can where you get to share like your favorite track of that moment or like a find that you had that you just know like people are gonna lose their shit about and then you play it and that you know you find the right moment to play it and you see the reaction of the crowd and you're like wow there's there's moments where I am in love with this scene uh, we we did a show on a really cool festival in Holland called Wildeberg and it's basically a 72-hour non-stop festival and we played the Sunday morning set on a stage where you know everything else closes down for a few hours and that stage is the only one that goes on so we played a sunrise set we started at 6 a.m we stopped at noon like the last one of the last tracks or maybe the last track I played was uh, Idris Muhammad it could have heaven ever be like this and I had I'd never played it because it didn't really you know, I love the song, so I, I was happy to have the record play it at home. But I have to interrupt there because it was—it's—it's it's one of my favorite tracks of all time. And Martin knew this, and he bought the record, and without telling me, he took it out of the sleeve, and then he's like, looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, why? The, why is he looking at me like this? And and then he showed me the record, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. And then he played it. Oh, you 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 finish the story. I think even though the festival was what 2017, 2018. People are still talking about that moment where it was only love there on that. It was like a thousand people. Lars was stage diving. Marta, my neighbor, she suddenly realized that I was half of them swindle. And she texted me. She's like, oh my God, I suddenly realized you're half of them swindle. I have to tell you that set at Wildeburg, me and my friends were still talking about it. So still to this day, that's like three years, three years later, people are still talking about that moment. And I have to say, it's probably the best moment of our career. Oh, amazing. What an amazing moment. Which artists are you loving at the moment? Is there anyone that I might know, not know of that I need to need to be listening to. Marina Trench. Marina Trench. I've seen her on one of your, on your label, right? You've got a release of her. Yeah, okay. So the, the, re- the latest release on Heist is by her. Uh, she's a super talented French, uh, D- she's a great DJ and a really talented producer who has that same soulful, warm, housey vibe. It's, um, someone sent a text uh, of a, I'm not sure if it was a review or just someone talking about the record, but it's, it's all, like, it's so sexy, it's almost not suitable for work. And um, that's a really good uh, description of her sound. It's just, it's really sexy house. And uh, yeah, I like her stuff a, a lot. Uh, so she would definitely be someone you should uh, keep an eye on Check because she's gonna, uh, she's yeah, gonna yeah. Be, be a big one. But there's so, so much, because, also because Lars was telling you about the, our solo projects and where Lars is going more into like proto, italo, touch of electro, I'm moving to I, I've I've done, I've been doing techno and electro and in that sound in especially in Holland uh, with the radio radio crew there's so much great music that's coming out now that um, I was uh, yeah I was really surprised to see uh, the amount of um, talented artists like Mary Lake 
uh, Shamsuddin, Black Cadmium. There's all these like people that we wouldn't really see in our scene as Dam's Window because the, the house scene is just, you know, it's too slow or too soft for them. But there's so much, there's so much great, like harder stuff as well. I've, I've been uh, discovering in, in the last few years. Yeah, for sure. Amsterdam has such a great scene right now. Yeah. Like there's, there's so many talented producers here. It's, it's crazy. I, I don't know what it is. It's something in the water maybe, but... Uh... Do you know what? I think there's something going on, especially in Amsterdam and, and in the north of England, Newcastle, Liverpool, some parts of Scotland. Like the, and I think a lot of it is lockdown as well. It seems to be just either people are learning or people are just getting their heads down. There's just some incredible music coming out at the moment. I'm excited to come to ADE, hopefully, if it happens again this year. I went to Gashowder for the first time in um, 2019, and uh, that was fun. Yeah, that was an we're, we're very likely to do a party at Gashowder. I'm not sure if it's ADE actually or um, or a bit after, but uh, yeah, that's a cool venue. It's the uh, it's classic. At, at some point, you have to be at Awakenings at Gashowder, otherwise you you'd haven't really you don't really understand the full you know breadth width of the Dutch. I'm trying to think of what the night was. It was a proper techno night. There was people getting massages on beds. There was fireworks going off. And I was just like, what is this place? This place is amazing. But um, I'll be definitely going back. I really, I really love going to ADA. Um, all right, so before we finish, and I'll let you go because I know you're on holiday. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given about your career that you could pass on to future up-and-coming producers or DJs? Wow. That's a really, uh, that's a that's an interesting question because people, at least around me, are, aren't really, um, they don't give advice out of themselves too often. But I think, so there is, I think there's two people in my, like in my clubbing life, I've learned a lot from. And one is, so my former partner, Roy Avni, who unfortunately died of cancer uh, quite a few years back already. He was... He was in it for the love, like he couldn't care. He didn't care about money at all. He didn't care about attendance. He just said, I love this artist. I'm gonna support this artist with my parties. And I don't care if it's gonna cost me all my savings because I feel the need intrinsically, this show has to happen in this particular way and I'm gonna do everything I need to do to make it perfect. And that like that singular view on creativity and and being and standing behind a specific sound or an artist felt is, is super special and that really taught me to if you love something you just have to go for it no holds back you know you, you don't have to listen to anyone who's saying yes but you should or don't shouldn't you better look at this and that no if you want to do it go for it there's always a way you can make it work and i That's think yeah and i think the um uh like one of the people in dance music that I hold in really high regard is Carrie Chandler, who's a close friend. You know, even though we haven't seen each other for uh, for a while, we're we're texting every now and then. And like, he's one of the friendliest people you'll ever meet in dance music. It's he's shown me that being authentic and friendly will get you just as far as being a fucking asshole and messing up things for people and and making their life hard. He is, yeah, he's like a, uh, yeah, he's, he's the friendliest person you'll ever meet. He's always grateful to be there. He's always helpful. He is very particular with sound and he'll, he'll help you tweak the sound of your club. I've seen him give lectures 
to sound engineers in clubs uh, during his sound check. And the engineer would be like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll, we'll take that into account. And, and that, and, but he's, you know, he's, he, he always gives you a part of his time, which means he gives you something of him. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to, uh, to know him personally and to have him as a friend. What a hero, what a legend. I love Kerry Chandler. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to You're you guys. Welcome. No problem. Huge thanks to Dam Swindle. Make sure you check out their new EP, Spice Run, which came out on Oz Music back in March. And don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram. It's Sarah My Story to keep up to date with all my future guests. See you next time.